0: It's my desire To be like Jesus It's my desire To be like Him Though often I
1: Aren't you grateful that there's something greater than we possessed in our natural being that's coming forth? I love him because he first loved me. God bless you. Nice to be in the service. Such a wonderful atmosphere. Such good testimonies. Just so good. I believe it's more than just people that are here. I believe the Lord is here. Why don't you shake hands with somebody next to you if you haven't done that already. Just wish them God's blessing. And if you did do that already, I trust you shook hands with somebody different this time. Um, Good to see so many different ones. See some visitors. I won't mention them all by name, but there's, I don't know if they should, some that have been sojourning in Trinidad. I'm not mentioning anybody by name, but um, (laughs) others that are here. God bless you. If you're here, just may you be welcome this morning. We, we welcome you. Um, Sister Shelley, we really appreciated that testimony. We're so thankful for what God is doing for you and what he's doing in our midst. We thank him that he's alive, he's real. I believe we're living in the season. I was sharing a quotation with the ministering brothers that if time goes on, he says, and it, and it Jesus tarries we're going to see some of the greatest miracles that have ever been witnessed on the face of the earth. And I believe we're living in that time. God is going to show that He's God. In Satan's Eden, He is God. He's God a people. Amen. I, I want to ask you also this morning if you would just remember uh, some in prayer. Uh, we'd mentioned on Wednesday about the brother from Ukraine whose son was killed in the War in Ukraine, Brother Vitaly, his son Greg. They had the funeral this weekend. We remember that family. Many believers up in the Kanistano area knew them. Brother Josh, you're here this uh, you're here this morning, and we, uh, we want to just uh, we want to remember them and and just ask God would be with them. Also, some of you may remember Brother uh, uh, Samuel Taylor. And Brother Samuel, a soft-spoken brother, very humble, very dear friend. Earlier this week, he texted us and mentioned that his wife was, uh, had ovarian cancer. And uh, just to, she'd been, as a result of the chemo, she had been in a semi-conscious state. And he requested our prayers. We had a number of people praying for him. He texted me on Saturday and said it, was, it pleased the Lord to take her home. And uh, we, we just want to remember him. And uh, while we were praying for him, I was praying for my wife. We had a couple of days in the hospital with her this week. Um, had some CTs and MRIs, we have an MRI scheduled. She's at home this morning. She's still got some lingering symptoms, and, but we believe it's going to be well. And we're going to just keep praying to that end, and we're going to look to that. We're not going to look to the symptoms. We're going to look to the promise. So just want to remember her. We're going to remember those needs in prayer this morning. Maybe if you, uh, if we just uh, sing softly this morning, bring all your needs to the altar. We've brought our thanksgiving and our requests, but let's just sing this. If you have a need this morning, maybe your need is uh, varied. It may be in your body. Maybe it is in your, maybe it's in your circumstances of life. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's represented outside this building. God knows who's on your heart. But we're going to bring those needs to him this morning. And he has promised us. He's left us something. He's left us, not our, our old state, but he's got a vision of our new state. And that's what we want to lean on this morning. Let's sing this before we pray.
0: Bring all your needs to
1: Father, this morning as we're bowed, singing this song, thanking you for your presence, thanking you for the things you've done, also thanking you for the things you're going to do, believing, O Lord, that you are our Heavenly Father and that you do all things well. Lord, and that you have our best intentions, better than we can ask for ourselves. Lord, you want better for us. And this morning we're asking, oh God, that you'd open channels in our hearts. That you'd open the door where faith can operate. Lord, where we can loose the Holy Ghost to move on our behalf, Father. Lord, open our hearts this morning. Father, whatever may be a hindrance, we're asking you to remove it, Lord. Pray you'd forgive us, Lord, of our iniquities and our shortcomings. There is none righteous, no, not one. But, Lord, we lean on you, the one that is righteous, the one that stood in our behalf. And, Lord, under that blood this morning, we lift our voices. We remember the family. Brother Gregory is passed on, our brother Vitalee, we remember them. Father, we commit them in your hands. Lord, we ask that you administer, that you would use this... For a greater purpose, Lord, that you would bring forth even life out of a death, Lord. We ask it, we know, Lord, that there will be a resurrection. And Lord, for our precious brother Samuel this morning, Samuel Taylor, having lost his wife Esther, Lord, he just was so faithful. And Lord, just trusting in you, Lord, would you reward him? Would you comfort him? Lord, knowing that. Maybe it's just a few short breaths. Maybe it's a short while till they'll meet again. Lord, may that hope resonate within him, within his children, within the family, within the church that is there in Ghana. We commit them to you. And this morning, Lord, I also lift my wife up before you. Lord, who's at home, who will be listening in. But, oh God, may you minister. May you send angels from the presence of God, Lord, that would surround her, would lift her up, oh God. Father, we trust in you this morning. And Lord, for every hand, every need represented Lord, we ask now, may faith rise in this service for the hour, for the day, and the time that we live in, Lord. Father, we are here on your behalf. And Lord, we are here, and Lord, as you would come to destroy the works of the enemy, Lord, we stand in your stead today. And Lord, we come to claim that which you have purchased for us. Bless us, I pray, Lord, as we stand here, as we open the word, we commit the service in your hands, and we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. I'll invite you, thank you to the musicians. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 4. I was just trying to remember Brother Zach's name, and I couldn't remember it, and I got it now, and I was praying there, so nice to have him here too. Um, Hebrews chapter 4, we will read from verse 7. And then we'll turn to Hebrews 10, and then I'll let you have your seats. You've been standing a little while, but I'll be standing a lot longer than you. So just uh, enjoy it while you can. There's not a lot of response here. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, "Today, after so long a time, as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice." Harden not your hearts. Okay? Now if Jesus had given them... Now notice what he's saying. He's identifying the heart. We can hear up here, but we want to hear down here. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest... He has also ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Hebrews 10, we read a portion of this on Wednesday, and we'll be going in this channel this morning. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. Now, you remember when the seals were opened, there was an invitation come and see. There was somebody every time a seal was opened that, was, that had a little something in them, that an allotment of eternal life that could identify with that. And I believe we're, we're, we're among those people. So he says, now lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Now, what what a place the believer finds himself resting not in themselves, not in their own works, but in the will of God. I want to be in that place where I know that what I'm doing is not of myself, but I am walking in the steps of the Father, and all of heaven is backing me. So we, we're going there. Let's just read verse 8. Above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, you would not, neither do you have pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. That law can be in, in this building today, but we're talking about something greater. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second, by which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. God bless you. You may have your seats. Keep your Bibles open there if you will, please. I'll read a little bit more. I'm going to speak on the power released in His will. That will be part two, follow up from Wednesday. And I likely will have to speak a third part because I won't get to everything today. If we could just jump to verse 11. Every priest stands daily ministering and offering sometime, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Now, this is under the Old Testament. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God, from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. So in other words, when he did this, he went up, he ascended on high, and then there was an expectation that what he did, there was going to be a fulfillment thereof. And, and God will see to it that his word is fulfilled. It's not just his great plan, but his word fulfilled in every life, in every home that is represented under the Lamb's book of life. God will have his way. And we want to be cooperators with that. So he says in verse 14, For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof. The Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he said this before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. I'm going to just move right into the thought today. And I want to really just speak up. not going to do a lot of preamble from Wednesday, but I'm going to just take this, just jumping from there. I may bring a couple things back in a moment, but Brother Branham says this, perfect strength by perfect weakness. The greatest enemy I have got is William Branham. Now, he's identifying himself or a part of himself that would, would be an obstacle to what God wants to do. He's the one that gets in God's way. He's the one that gets lazy. He's the one that gets to a place where sometimes he thinks he can do something about it. And when he does, that shoves God right out of the picture. Now you may, you, you, you could say amen to that, but your greatest enemy is not William Branham. Your greatest enemy is put your own name in there. And, 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 and you can just put that in and identify with this quote right off the bat. Brother Branham would say, when I can get rid of that guy, when I can get to the place when he is out of the way, then God can come and do things that William Branham knows nothing about. That's when God can use you. That's when he can use any of you. He can use any of you when you get out of the way. As long as we got ourselves in the way, then we cannot. There's our struggle today. That was Brother Branham's struggle. That's every minister's struggle. That's every righteous Christian that's been serving God from the beginning of their walk with God to the end. It's a struggle. Why? Because you've got two powers. As our brother Matt brought last time, here is an an angelic realm. There's an angel that comes with you. He identifies with you at your birth. He's there. He wants to bring you somewhere. But at the same time, there's demon powers. And those demon powers, they stood there. They stood above brother Branham when he was 12 years old and God was dealing with him to give his heart. But he said that evil spirit hung over him. And how? What did that evil spirit do? Did it block him off? No, it closed his mind to what God could do for him. So there's a there's a there's a channel there's a there's a there's a place where God can flow. Now I'm going I'm to move it along. That's on the individual level. Now I want to talk this just for a moment on a church level. So is the church of the living God that's been born through the ages, in the middle of fanaticism and chaos, he's talking about a water lily that's kind of fought its way up. And he says, now, God's revelation to his church, sit still, little flock, positionally stay where you are. Keep holding on. Don't worry God is waiting, he is trying, he is pressing to get to the mystery of God revealed to his church. That's what's holding back, give me a little bit more volume if you would, that's what's holding back the coming of Christ now. listen. Now think about this, that's what's holding back the coming of Christ now. And the great millennium is the great supernatural power that lays dormant in the church. It's always been there. It always will be there. It just needs to be released. It needs to be loosed this morning. Now, I'm going to read one more here. And, and this, is, this is when Martha uh, was, was identifying in her day. This is Mary and Martha. In her day, it was Jesus. Here, their brother had died. And, 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 and Martha said, if God is in his prophets, she read it in the first surely he's in his son. And I go a step further. If God's in his prophets, he's in his son, then surely he's in his church. Yeah. He's in our midst today. He lies in every one of us. Resurrecting power is already within us. But we need to loose it and let it come. Now, he, he will say this, now, he says, as Christ is his representative in this day, his church, the body of believers, is his representative. He that he hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Oh, the power of the Christian church that lays dormant tonight. Why? Because of unbelief. And sometimes it's, it's just that we haven't moved from intellectual faith to real faith yet. And then Brother Barnum would say, talking about living below our privileges, he would say, and I'm going to just say, uh, I could read a lot of this, but he says, brethren, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, of the Holy Ghost sometimes we say, that's it. But let me just stop on this for a moment. Sometimes we say, I've got it, now I'm, I'm good to go. We think of it as a one and done experience. It cannot be that, friends. It has to be something that is real and alive and everyday experience. You can say, well, I prayed years ago for my children. I prayed years ago for this. If you leave it there, it's dormant. But you need to bring it with you. You need to carry it with you. Friends, just like Joseph when he said, do not bury my bones in Egypt. But, but you take them and you bring them to the promised land. Joseph trusted that, that somebody would pick that faith up and bring those bones. Because the resurrection was in the promised land. And our resurrection is in Christ. So we need to carry that forward. And we need to, it needs to be alive and real. It can't be, well, back then I got it. It needs to be a breathing, living, fresh experience. That is life. Otherwise, you take, and what does it take to overcome? Brother Raymond said, it's the age of the personal life. And he said, we can be so close, and he identifies with a log that he was crossing, and he stepped on it, and it crumbled beneath him. The reason that that log crumbled was because it had been laying in the water, not, not, not partaking of the water, but rotting. Now, I, I, I just say that don't be so close and not moving in with it. Whatever you can do this morning, just move with the service. This is not just Brother Ed. And I'm not just saying this so you can, we can have more amens. I'm saying it for your benefit, for my benefit, for your brother, your sister around you. If you say amen, if you begin to bring him on the scene, that's when it'll be released to you. So let's have him come. Let's not leave them out there. Let's bring them down here. Let's bring them to our lives. Let's bring them to where we're at. So Brother Manning would say, after you receive the baptism, that's the summit. No, that's wrong. We must move on and on. It's the unlimited resources of God that have never been tapped yet. He said... Blessings and powers we never knew anything about. Let's move on up. Claim our rights. As God opens the gates and swings out the welcome mat, let's move into deeper depths. Never colonize ourselves. Never organize ourselves where we say, we believe this and that's all. Listen, we we can believe it, but our understanding needs to be opened. Continually. I, I just say, Lord, make it more real. This is a Bible, the book that breathed. This is the message that's unfolding. Of his kingdom and his power, there'll be no end. In other words, it keeps opening, it keeps opening, it keeps unfolding. That's, that's from the message, Hidden Life. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it there. I gotta I got move on. Jump with me to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2. I'm just gonna take this. To our level for a moment. Brother Ed, you you make it so spiritual, I just know where I'm at. Listen, I'm gonna bring it right to where we're all at, myself included. Where Brother Branham was at. He said the greatest enemy he got is William Branham. This is the scripture he used in that message, which is perfect strength and perfect weakness. I'm not gonna preach on that, but I just wanna use this. Paul, just think about Paul for a moment, learned everything, had everything in control could quote the scrolls, more zealous, more everything, yet completely misguided because he needed the Holy Ghost. Friends, it was no longer under the old law. Something had changed with the death of Jesus. That Levitical law was no longer applicable. But there was another law that was being opened, the law of the spirit of life. And it's that law we need to be under today. Paul in verse 2, and I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now just think, a man so learned, but how's he coming? He left that all, and now he's leaving room for God. Every, every part of our faith, our walk, there needs to be, if you, can, if you can answer every question and you've gotten it all buttoned up, I'll say this, you're wrong. And if you can do it, you can say, I got this under control. Uh, When you got it under control is when you've actually given it over to him. And when you can go in prayer and you can let it all before him, that's your rest. Not in your knowledge, not in your figuring it out or my figuring it out, but it's when it's in him, there's our rest. Paul says, I came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, Declaring unto you the testimony of God, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Oh, God, keep my eyes on you. When you use a vessel to bless me, don't let me get caught up with that vessel. When there's somebody who's my hero, don't let me, oh, Lord, put him above you. Let you be first always, Lord. You be the Lord of my life. You reign and rule. And Lord, if I ever get so low, let me remember that it's still you that's higher than my lowest spots. You are my north star. You are my equilibrium. You're greater than my emotions, than my upsides, my downsides. You're greater than my thinking, my intellect. You, it's all in you. This morning, it's all in him. So Paul brings all of these things out and he's talking about how... how. All of this that was in him, but how he purposely downplayed things. Why? That people would not look to Paul. In fact, they'd look to his, his, his speech as being contemptible. They, his appearance was nothing to be looked at. And yet God chose this vessel. Now, let me, let me just take out of the same message the same quote. Any man who is a warrior has stripped himself... We need a stripping of our own thoughts and our own abilities. Let this go down deep. You've got to become dust. You've got to get to a place where you know you're nothing. Now, I I, I don't want to just run over these quotes, but you you actually recognize, I am nothing except that he came. And when he came, That has made me everything. And the everything is not that I would look down on anybody, but that I I choose to remain here that he can still be everything. Now, you've got to become dust. You've got to get to a place where you know you're nothing. And don't ever rise above it. For as soon as you rise above it, you rise above God Keep yourself in the dust and on the road to Damascus. Stay off those high horses. Now, there's there's more that I could take out of all of that, but I'm using all of this. So what I'm what I'm tying into a little bit here is our will as it would appear. Now, you know, sometimes if you identify, and and I, I would ask the question, who is the real you? And I'm going to come to this in a minute because if, and what is your, where is your will and where does your will come from and how does it mean to surrender your will? Because the more we release our will and give it to God, the more he can work in our life. And and it'll be greater than anything we can do in ourselves. So, so to surrender and to give ourselves, there is there's a law associated with that. And I'm, I'm going to use Paul in a moment here. Well, let, let's just go, let's go to Romans 7 for a moment, because this is Paul, now he's told us in Corinthians why he did such and such, but now here is Paul speaking in, in Romans chapter 7, and, and I'm going to take Romans 7 and 8, and you know all of this well, but I, when he speaks this, I, I want you to think back to this last week. And and I want you to look at your ups and downs. Did you wake up every morning and say, hey, I got it. I'm a son of God. I'm on top of the world. Look out, devil. No, I'll tell you what. Most of us woke up. Sometimes we woke up with a headache. Sometimes we woke up with doubt. Sometimes we woke up with fears. Sometimes we wondered what's happening next. But then after a while, when we allowed ourselves, if we give ourselves to God, then all of a sudden something starts working within us. So this is what Paul was coming to. I, can you imagine Paul on the road to Damascus? Can you imagine what went through his head? Here he's now. He is zealous for the kingdom of God. He knows what he's gonna do. He's gonna wipe out these Christians. He's got it down, and he and he comes crashing down by blinded by a light, and he says, Who are you, Lord? So he knew. This was not a man, this was a God, this was God himself. Could you imagine what went through his mind when he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. I'll tell you what, you talk about a 180 and a tailspin. God allowed him three days because he needed three days to start to digest, what have I done? Oh God, help us. That we don't get caught in that level. That we can just say, God... Let me walk with you. Let me know you. Not, not going that. So here's Paul with all of that. Now we're in Romans chapter 7. Now Paul is trying to figure himself out. Verse 14. For I know that the law is spiritual, but I'm carnal, sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I do, that I do not. For what I hate, that I do. Okay, don't, don't get confused in all of this. But I, I, I'll just say it this way. Have you ever said, you know what, I need to go and pray. And before you ever get to pray, something intercepts you. Oh, I just stop at the fridge. And, and then half hour later, warmed up pizza and spaghetti and whatever else. And all of a sudden you feel sleepy and you don't pray. Okay, sorry. I'll just speak to myself for a moment here. Listen, before we ever think we're so spiritual. Or, you know what, i I, I got to find this quote on my phone. Let me get, oh, hey, i got three no notifications. Oh, look, this and this and this. And we go to all these notifications, and, and we forgot what quote we were searching for. So, uh, listen, don't, don't tell me I'm the only one. You have it, I have it, we all have it. None of us are so spiritual that we don't have to contend with the guy underneath here. And that's what Paul was doing. If I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Then it is no more that I do it, but sin that dwells in me. In another place, Paul would say, the motions of sin that work in his life. Okay? Now, I'm going to just take a little bit to get to this, but I I really want to, to move it. Now, he says... For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil that I would not, that I do. Now if I do that I would not, it is no more I that doeth, but sin that dwelleth in me. I then fi- I find then a law. When I would do good, evil is present. Now, if you actually take those verses... 14 to 21, and you read how many times Paul said, I, I think it's 17 times. So, before you get out your iPhone, or your I I this, or your me space, or whatever you get, it's not you, but there's a rest that goes beyond the I. There's a rest that goes beyond the you and the me. There's a rest that comes when we can let go and let God do those things. But where to find that place, the secret to that place? Okay, now it'll take me more than today's service to, to just take what where, where I feel God's been leading me. But this is Paul. And so now when he sees this, because here's a man who had so embraced the law, he knew what he could do, and he knew what an abject failure he was. So now he's rejoicing that he can't do this, that he can't fix this, but somebody greater has got to come in him and fix this. And so he says, so I delight, in verse 22, in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Now, Paul is speaking this, and, and, you know, you can can take this, and I I will just, just, I just want to share something real quick out of this, if I can. And I'm just trying to find the right quote. I'm just jumping ahead a little bit here, but that's okay. Now in the message thirst, Brother Ram says this, Romans 7, 21, then I would do good, evil is nigh. When you try, have you ever had that experience, Christians? You're trying to find something that's worthwhile, you make every effort to do good, but there is the devil just upsetting you. Now that's one good thing I'd like to say that Christians might know, that when you're starting to do something and there's always, and there's something always trying to upset you in doing it, do it Anyhow. Now, you've got to come, I've got to come to a place, you've got to come to a place, the church has to come to a place. Now, God knows what's in us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have called us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have put something in you or me to respond to the message. Uh, You know, and and when we responded, we responded not knowing it was even a message, But we responded because there was a voice, a deep calling to the deep, and that deep started to respond. Now, never has there been an age that has known the messenger in the age they lived in. You could go all the way back to the days of Paul. Paul never, in the days of Paul, even the other disciples, they never recognized Paul as a messenger to that age. In other words, they didn't know it intellectually. They weren't able to have somebody point out, look it, there was a pillar of fire that met Paul on a road. Therefore, he's the messenger of the age. And you know what? what you know, in fact, John had not even wrote about the messengers yet on the Isle of Patmos. So here's Paul on this road. He's on this way. Uh, maybe he did. Maybe I don't have my timing right. But maybe the scrolls weren't published yet. But here's Paul, he didn't do it. And in every age it was that way. If you would would go down and, and you'd ask any age, who's the messenger to the age? They wouldn't even know what you're talking about. And you'd go right down to the days of Luther and you'd even ask Luther, hey Luther, did you know that you're the start of the Reformation? Did you know that you're that little seed that's coming out of the ground? Did you know, Luther wouldn't have even known that. Brother Branham never knew it. He had to come to it. He had to recognize what God was doing in him. So do you and I have to come to the place where we recognize not by what somebody has told you, not that you're in the church, not that you know Brother Branham, not that you can identify what happened at Mount Sunset, but it's a vindication inside. And I say, oh God, make that real. It cannot be by knowledge. It has to be by a resonation within. And now here's the thing. You have that thing resonating within you. I said, this is it. This is God moving. And you start to move forward and you get dragged down by your past. You get dragged down by complexes. You get dragged down. You say, well, I, I thought it was, but maybe I'm wrong. That's what the devil wants. Why do you need to pray, Brother Ed? Where else if you're going to combat the devil in your mind, where are you going to talk to God and that he can talk back to you? Where are you going to have it? Where are you going to find out? Lord, and you, and you can actually be real with him. Lord, I, I, I thought these things. I started to move in that. I'm, I apologize. They're not my thoughts, but I was moved this way. And then, because when you do this continually, somewhere you come to a place when you recognize and I I will use this not to jump ahead, where even Brother Branham said, I am not the son of Charles and Ella Branham. My spirituality is not based on the coattails of Brother Harold, nor is it based on the coattails of my mother or my grandmother or my lineage or my past or my friends or my association. But my identification comes because I know what he did in me. And I know what he's doing in me. Despite what the devil does sometimes. You, God, you, God knows what's in you, but you can be pushed to and fro. But he's our absolute. He's our North Star. He's our everything. And I'll, I'll tell you, when you get tossed like that, you need to have a, something you're tethered to. Something that you know it pulls you. You pull back. And it washes you. I'll tell you, the devil is throwing everything at us right now. Yeah. Everything he can. But this Eve will not fall. Yeah. Now, so Brother Branham would talk this and he'd say, do it anyhow. He said, and, and you know, sometimes he said, even as Christians, I'll paraphrase this, but he says, sometimes we get that feeling to do something, and we're just led, we, we have that feeling. He said, if you're not careful, Satan will pervert that. It always has to come back to the Word. And so the part that that is the Spirit has to coincide with the Word, not the Word intellectually, but down in here. Okay, there, there's a part, I'm just coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, getting there. Let me share this. Brother, Brother Matt had just shared this, and I wanted to, to use this. This is questions and answers in, in 1964. Somebody asked Brother Brown about Romans 7. This is his answer. This I cannot understand. <laughs> yeah. He says, then there's no more I do it. This I cannot understand. That was his answer. It's not finished. Just hang on, okay? But he was honest. okay. Do I need to put this up on the screen for all of you? (laughs) Okay. Now, he he says it this way. Let me polish it up a little so you understand it. In me is two persons. Right, one wants to do, wants me to do. Wrong, the other one wants me to do. Okay, so remember, you are a three-part being your flesh has not been redeemed. And your spirit, that's where the greatest battlefield is, is in the mind. Now, every time I do right, something hinders me. And, and Brother Branham, now, this, this is amazing. Brother Matt shared this. He said, could you imagine if you had an interview with the prophet today and he was here and you could sit and talk with him, what would be the question you would ask him? If you you had any question, just think about it. (laughs) If there might be any questions. Now, maybe it's about a direction to go or something that's plagued you all your life. But as Brother Man talks about this, he's answering this question. Now, there was a number of these questions related to that this morning. In other words, a lot of people were asking, why is it as I serve God, there's this, there's this, there's this, there's this? Listen. These are honest questions. And he's going, now, you have an outward man, controlled by six senses, an inward man, by faith. And he says, one is contrary to the other. Now, he's saying, now, Paul was speaking, he was sold under the law to do sin. That's why we have the troubles we do married four or five times, all kinds of sin and adulteries and everything in our lives is because of those things. We are carnal. That part must perish. But inside of that, there is a spirit man, a soul inside, that has faith in God's word. Now he would he'd identify this as a cockabur and a wheat. So he says, what it is, I cannot take a cockabur and make wheat out of it. The only way it can be changed from a cocklebur is that it's transmitted to a germ called wheat life. That's on the inside. So he says, the life of the cocklebur is to be taken out. And he says, wheat life has come, but the outside is still sticky. That's why you struggle when you have to wait too long in line. That's why you get upset when you're stuck in traffic or somebody cuts in front of you at the coffee line. Sorry, some of you don't have that problem. Some of us do. That's why these things happen. Okay, I'm I'm trying to help us all this morning. Stay with me. As long as you're in this life, you're going to be sticky and have a carnal nature that's going to bother you as long as you live. Oh, thank you, Brother Ed. Now I feel so much better. <laughs> I, you know what? Now I can go, no, you got to overcome that guy. Okay, now, I'm, I, let's just jump over to Romans 8. I'm, I'm just about getting to where I want to get to here. There is therefore now no condemnation. Paul, as much as he took Romans 7, he talked about, I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Now he gets to that in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay, now you're in the flesh. Anybody here that's not in the flesh this morning? Okay, you're all in the flesh. Okay, by your non-signification, I'll assume you're all in the flesh. If you're not, just raise your hand. And I'll know that the body, the body change is on. So <laughs> okay. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Okay, now, this this is where we're getting to. The law could not do this. Paul could not do this. The Old Testament saints could not do this. But we needed a forerunner to come and do this for us. So he says, for... What the law could not do, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Let's just, there's more we could read, you catch where where we're at here now. Brother Barnum would talk about this, and I'm going to use this just for a basis to move into what I call the laws of God. Now, the only way we can ever let God work, that he can work, is when you let him work. Now, we're coming back to our will. So, he wants to save you, but sometimes we're too busy running and having a good time. He wants to lift you up. He wants to deliver you. But sometimes our heart is not open to it. Sometimes it's a spirit hanging over us. Sometimes we have not become yielded enough yet. And, and also there's God's timing and his sovereignty that enters into all of this. Okay, now, Brother Barnabas said there's a law given for everything. Now he starts to take this. Now, a fish has a law. That fish can stand up here in the water and he has a law within, if he will let go of that law that's in him, he can sink plumb to the bottom of the sea, and it won't bother him a bit. Won't break one seal. You try to do it. That law is not in you. Now, I remember the first time I went for swimming lessons, and they, they said, you know, you walked around in the shallow end, and then they had you go to the deep end and jump in. And I recognized that that law was not in me. Because the law of the rock was in me. And I sunk to the bottom, but I was flailing all the way down. So that law, you after a while, you recognize that, that your body has a degree of buoyancy. Your body, if you, if you move with the water, you actually can, can, can use the water and move in the water. Now, that has to be developed. That doesn't happen over time. Okay, so now he says, that law of the fish... Now, he goes down to the bottom. There's nothing in him to burst open. He's made that way. He knows it. So he can enforce that law, and it takes him plumb to the bottom of the sea. It can also raise him up again. Now, all of you that are here, if you've been, God has dealt with you, and you're brought to this service this morning, you didn't know when you were a child, when the first time something in you did something wrong and you knew it was wrong your conscience spoke and but you didn't know what was in you i i never never in my wildest dreams that i ever think i'd be ministering the gospel but god had put that in i just didn't know it i had to come to it and it's the same for all of us now you might think well i i when i received jesus i arrived you have not even we have not even tapped the resources of what God wants us to do. The church through the ages has come to a level. But in this last age, there's a word allotted for the age that God is releasing an anointing on and a people on. And if we can give ourselves to it, we will fulfill the law of Christ that when he sat down expecting, it wasn't just him, but it was him in us that he wanted to see. So this law, now he would go, now the law that was in Christ, that law is in men. Now the law that was in Christ, he says, bury me, but I'll rise again. Now we never had that law until he first came. Now, I need to just move this forward because my time will slip away and I won't be able to get to where I get. Now under the Old Testament, under that law, they couldn't even they continually had to come back had to come back had to come back and had to have the high priest and had to have the shedding of blood again and again well we're not under that but within you as a result of him shedding the blood one time forever you can come back to that fountain you can remain under that blood but but it has to it has to be Uh, It has to come continually back to the promise that God has made that you're identifying with for your age. Now, let let me, I I really, have so many things I'd like to say. Let me me just look at it this way. On Wednesday, we just touched base, said Adam and Eve were free moral agents. Eve chose after she was beguiled by a serpent. Adam chose after, But his motivation was by love. For Eve, he was not deceived. Christ chose, not because he was even guilty... But because he loved me, and he loved you, he looked down through the ages, and he saw that even in Laodicea, that there would be you sitting here, there would be me, there would be our families, there would be those needs, and he said, I will pay the price for them now, and it will be attributed, it will be allotted over seven ages. I'll release so much in the first age, so much in the second age, and every age will identify with it. And then when they come, they are under the blood because if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Now, he, now he allotted that. And he also put something in us to identify with it. Now, the, the law, you know, a bird has a law. Its body is material, it's earthbound, but it has a law. It can spread its wings and it can fly. That's against science. Ever read about a bumblebee? It's, it's, science can't prove how a bumblebee can fly. But it's a law that's within that bird, within that, that, that insect. Listen, there's a law that you can, you can jump. I, I was trying to tell a sister here the other day when I went to Kenya, amongst the Maasai people, they have this tradition of jumping. And I said, yeah, I was jumping with them. And she started breaking down laughing. You jumping? So said, yeah, me jumping. I so said, I got the pictures to prove it. Still trying to find them. Because she didn't, she's still dubious about what I, what I said. But you know what? You, you, we're, we're tied. We're, we're, now, I, I want to bring this. Brother Man said, now you have the law of life in you. The only thing you have to do is you don't have to knock down to the devil. But there's a law of the spirit. You have to know how to let go and let God. So Christianity is not so much about me climbing the ladder as it is me submitting myself to God and he begins to lift me up, he begins to grow in me, he begins to work in me. That's the law. Okay? Now, the, bird, the fish doesn't say, if I catch my breath real good, I'll breathe a little oxygen. The bird doesn't say, if I run as fast as I can, maybe I can take off. Neither does the Christian say, if I do enough things right, I'm going to make it. No, there's a law inside of you, and it's not by what I can do. It's by what he's going to do in me. Okay, now, I I'm, I'm, I really want to go somewhere, and I, I'm going to use just, let me use just this. I, had, I have a number of things, but I'm just going to use this here. And Brother Branham would talk about the realms that we live in, and, and he he talks about the realm of self-will. Now, he says, you're a body, body, soul, spirit. Watch God's approach. Where is the heart? Remember the message. God chose a man's heart for his control tower. The devil chose his head for a control tower. But God in his heart makes him believe things he cannot see. Is that right? God is in his heart. The heart of man is in the throne of God. Now watch. The first part of man is the body. Then is the spirit. Then is the soul. In the third part, in the center of his heart, is where God comes for the throne. Brother Danny, can you prepare that little clip I got? Now, Brother Manning would say it this way. Now, for instance, when a man gets saved, now, now here's the mitigating factor in all of this. It isn't just you releasing your will. But it's allowing the Holy Ghost, just just hang on to that for a minute, allowing the Holy Ghost to come into you, and he begins to come into you. Now this is just a it's a little clip, I think it's over a minute long, but it's a man talking as a scientist or a doctor or something. And he's talking about the correlation between the head and the heart. So just play that now, if you will.
2: In 1991, scientists made a discovery, and they discovered every human heart about 40, approximately 40,000 or so, specialized cells configured in a way that creates a neural network in the heart. It's their brain-like cells, but they're not in the brain, they're in the heart. And these 40,000 specialized cells are called sensory neurites. What they found, what the scientists discovered, is that these cells think independently of the cranial brain, they feel and they remember independently of, of the cranial brain. And what that means, Brian, is every experience that we have, even this one right now, I'm registering this experience in two places. I'm registering it in my mind, in my mind, in my cranial mind, as well as in my heart. But if we were having a trauma, it would still be registered in both places. And if I tried to heal that trauma only through thinking about it or talking from my mind, it might feel incomplete. The healing may feel incomplete. And the reason is because I've only addressed what happened in here. I haven't addressed what happened in here.
1: So now, just catch this for a moment, okay? So he's saying that your thought process is up here, but it's also down here. And sometimes we're addressing it only up here when there's something down here. And he's talking about a trauma in your life, and you go and see a doctor, and he'll address it up here. Well, think good thoughts, you know, and, and do this. and, and I've been a, But it cannot go down to the soul. That's a place only God can go. So, you might have it all figured out up here, but down here it's still registering as hurt. And God has to come to that place. That's a place reserved for God. It's the place that He wants to come to. Now, I'm I'm just using this. I I really feel like I want to go more into that, but it's not the part I want to get to for this morning's service. And I want to just say, Brother Brandon would talk about it this way there's a control tower that's like a ship. It's the captain on the top, and he's saying, turn. But down your that control tower has to reflect in the engine room. And sometimes in our mind, we're turning, but down here, it hasn't registered yet. In our mind, I'm a believer. In my mind, I've got all the right things. I've been baptized. I've been this. But it's still down here. There's an emptiness. Friends, let God come to that. God wants to come to that. And if you can let go, so what was in the, the the first realm, five senses; second realm, five senses; third realm, two senses, faith and unbelief. And what is it released by your will? I surrender. And when you surrender from the inside down here, that's when healing comes. That's when salvation comes. That's when life comes. You might be operating up here. I might be doing it. I did that for many years. And I'll, I'll, I'll just give you an example. Not that anybody feels condemned. I, I everybody always told me about serpent seed. You, you got to see serpent seed. And I said, okay, yeah, that, okay, I, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. But well, whatever, you know. But I'll tell you what, one day God made it real. All of a sudden, that's why Mary had to be virgin born. That's why, that's why Jesus came the way he did. That's why he denied this. That's why I'm not identified with that birth. That's why I can see it, it's real to me. It's not knowledge up here, but it's down here. This message is real. Oh, friends, let it minister to you this morning. Now, I really, okay, I, I went probably too far in where I should have gone this, on this part. Now, talking about a law, I'm going to go ask you to turn quickly to Leviticus 25. Now, when Adam fell, what did he lose? He lost his natural inheritance the, the topography of the earth. He also lost his rights that, that he contained as, as a son of God where he could operate in faith and never have fear. He lost all of that by the fall. So it was what's, what's called, you know, in, in, in the Bible, you know, he, he, he lost the, the book that, that he held, the, the title deed, that went back into the hands of God. Okay, so it was there, and as the prophet would say, waiting for redemption's claims. Okay, now there's a law I want to come to here. Leviticus, did I say Leviticus? Leviticus 25, verse 1. And the Lord spake to Moses in Mount Sinai, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, when you come into the land I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. So, a rest. We started out with rest. Six years you shall sow the field. Six years you shall prune the vineyard and gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. So now the land that that Israel identified with was a geographical land and they could say, this is my land, and I can do whatever I want with. And they could. And they did. And even though the law said, on the seventh year, you shall rest that piece of land, they went ahead and harvested it anyway. And if you follow it through, God being a righteous judge, he punished them. And for the space of 490 years that they did not rest the land, he said, The land will rest for 70 years while you're held in captivity. Look at how God fulfills his word to the letter. So the law of the land was not just their land, it was God's land. Your body, my body, is not just our own body and we can do whatever we want. If we're really saved, God gave us this life. God gave me this, therefore I want to give it back to Him. He let me have it here. Now, right now it's in a corruptible form. But and it'll might go in the grave, and if it does go in the grave, the spirit will be released, but it won't stay in the grave. Because if it's been redeemed by God at the time of the resurrection, it'll my body my spirit will come back and pick up that body that went in the grave, and it'll now be a perfected body, not a redeemed body, a glorified body, if you will. So it's not gonna be in its old format, it will be perfect because what God is the author of life. And there was a book of life, and there's a Lamb's book of life. And the Lamb's book is the part that God always had in his mind. So God is now using this principle on the land. "...that which grows of its own accord of thy harvest you shall not reap, neither gather the grapes of the vine undressed. It is a year of rest unto the land, and the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thy servant, for thy maid, for thy hired stranger, for thy stranger, and for your cattle." It'll go on and on and on. And he does get into the seven years. Okay, now, I'm not going to go to all of that. So the land belonged to God. God. And the law, and and you had to follow it and give it its appropriate rest. Now jump with me to verse 23. This is the Lord speaking. And he says, The land shall not be sold forever. The land is mine. For you are strangers and sojourners with me. What? The earth is under a fallen condition. It's under a curse, but it will not be in the hands of the devil forever because it belongs to God. And so does this temple belong to God. It does not belong to the devil. Though he's had his sway, though he's had his inroads, this land belongs to God. Oh, friends, the sooner we can see that, the more we'll give ourselves to it. And he'll say, and in all the land of your possession, you shall grant a redemption for the land. Now, there's a real whole teaching I'm not going to get into. Now, so Adam's inheritance was the earth. Now, the prince of the power of the air has it. It's under his control. But the title deed to it is in the hands of God. And now God is, we've had 6,000 years since Adam has fallen. And under the law, there were several things that could happen. You'd hit the seventh year, and the land is entitled to a rest. So naturally speaking, 6,000 years under Satan's Eden, but there's coming a millennium. Okay. Now in order to bring this about and to bring us into that place, there was also a law of a kinsman redeemer. And under the kinsman redeemer is anybody who ever had an inheritance, they could never lose anything of their inheritance. In other words, though uh, maybe your parents got waxed, got killed, or so and so did, it always transferred over. It never was lost. Nobody could take it and accumulate wealth. Listen, Bill Gates would have not done well in old Israel. Hey, Jimmy Buffett, oh, what is his name? Buffett, what's his name? Not Jimmy Buffett, he's a singer. Warren, Warren Buffett, there we go. <laughs> okay. <Whew. laughs> Listen. God has an economy. And no matter what anybody says about you, nobody, if they put you in or put you out, if God has you in his mind, that can't change anything. So you can't listen to any of that. And no matter what the devil says, it will not change. Now, so God had to have a kinsman redeemer come. And the kinsman redeemer was exemplified in the Old Testament through the prophets. He was there in type through Joseph. He was there in type through Moses. Moses. And if you look at it, what God would take is Moses by his own will. Not by, because I was forced into. By his own will, he said, take me away. And start a new nation with them. Just take me instead of Israel. And God said, I can't do it, Moses. You're in the book. And Moses knew that. (laughs) So God had to come on his behalf. Neither can he take the devil take you. And and if you look, anybody in the Bible, whether it was Phineas, whether, whether it was all those in the Bible, whatever they did by free will, that began to open an avenue to their inheritance. Because you're not pushed into it. God gives it to you when you respond to him. Now, how important it is to release my will to him? Well, you don't even know the riches that are in store for you when you give yourself to Christ. They're, 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 they're tremendous. They're an inheritance. Now, your inheritance was given before the foundation of the earth. And you through the fall, our, our parents, Adam and Eve, we, we, but we could never be lost. So now let's just turn for a moment to John chapter 11. Let's just use this for a quick moment. I'm just going to use this. Jesus was the kinsman redeemer. He was the fulfillment of the law. He, he was not just the law which had the penalty of death, but it also had the law of the resurrection and the right of redemption of whatever was lost. So that was within Jesus. Now, look, now just think about some of the statements Jesus made. He said, you can speak against me, but don't speak against the Holy Ghost. Because that will never be forgiven. Now what's it telling that Jesus in his corporal body could do certain things. But when he moved outside of that, he would do greater things. So the Holy Ghost that is in you and on you and around you and that works for you is doing what Jesus did in a greater measure if you can accept it. Now, so he would, he would do those things. He would, he would come and he would say, they would, they would just say to him, why do your disciples eat on the Sabbath? He said, I am the Sabbath. <laughs> And they go, w- you blaspheme. No, he was the Sabbath. Because the real Sabbath is in him. He is the rest. You know, and, and he is that which was lost. You know, he was the vessel that had something sealed. Remember Jeremiah chapter 32. It said, Jeremiah said, we're going into this land, but we're going to come back. Put in this, this deed in this earthen vessel. The earthen vessel, the earthen vessel was Christ. And at a certain time, at a certain season, something would be released that would bring us to a faith that would say, this is the time, this is the season, I need to come back to. He was also the resurrection and the life. Let's just read this for a moment. So, the real resurrection happens after, but to show that he had this within him. So, let's... Read John chapter 11. Just pick up verse 21. Then said Martha to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, whatever you ask, God will give it to you. And he says, your brother will rise again. And she says, I know he'll rise in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? And she said, yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which shall come into the world. And when she so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, saying, the master comes and calls for thee, As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to them. Now Jesus was not yet in that town, but was in the place where Martha met him. The Jews then, which were in the house, comforted her. When they saw Mary, they rose up hastily and went out and followed her and said, She that goeth in the grave that wept is here. And when Mary came to the place, Jesus said, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. Now, within Jesus, he was all man, but he was also all God. So here is an example for us. Somebody's sick. Somebody's grieving. We feel sorrow. Look at, look at Jesus. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping that came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He was a man. He felt for them. We feel for those things. But we can't stay there. And, 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 and listen, within us, we don't have this, but the law of life within us. When Brother Samuel Taylor texted me about his wife passing, his words were to me this, it pleased the Lord. It pleased our sovereign God to take Esther home at this time. He didn't come and say, oh, it's just so terrible, Brother Ed. I, I so appreciated the faith that came out from my brother and I still want to uphold him because I'm sure he'll hit times when the humanity part will sen- settle in. but there's also something greater that's there now. so he's saying this, he groaned in the spirit, he was troubled and where have you laid him? and they said Lord come and see and Jesus wept because he was a human being, he's like us and they said, "'Behold how he loved him.'" And I said, "'Couldn't this man that opened the eyes of the blind cause that this man should not die?' And he, all along, he's coming, he's groaning right to the cave, and he comes to it, he takes it, and a stone lay, and he says, "'Take away this stone.'" And Mary said, he, he, "'He's dead, he stinks, it's been four days.'" And I'm going quickly here. He said, "'Should I not, said I not to you, if you would believe, you'd see the glory of God.'" And they took away the stone and the place where the dead laid. And Jesus lifted his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. You've heard me. And I know you hear me always. But because the people would stand by, I say it, that they may believe that he sent me. Now, this didn't just come as a robot, like I saw a vision. Jesus had to give himself to this. We have to give ourselves to this. We have to lay down our will and say, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. Okay, now this, this, when we lay that down, look at the benefits. And when he said that, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And this is what Brother Matt spoke on to the youth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was bound with a napkin. Resurrected, but still bound. But God said, Jesus said, loose him, let him go. Now, I, I just use this. Because within Jesus, before he ever entered the season from just the Son of Man, but now he's going to go to Son of God, he's going to come back as Son of Man, and then be uh, Son of David after that. But in that season, he had a measure of power. But after he would go, there would be greater power. Let's go quickly, John 14. I'm putting a lot in here, and I'm moving quickly, but I... Tonight we have our brother John ministering. I'm looking forward to that. John, so as we're speaking about John, we're turning to the book of John. John 14. Let's just pick it up in verse 10. Now here he's telling them, I've got to go away. And they're grieved. Why are you going away? But if he didn't go away, he couldn't come in the greater measure that was needed. Verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, the Father in me, or believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, now this, this is tremendous, if we can just catch this. Do, do we actually believe this? This is, Brother Branham would use this scripture, John 14 verse 12, in conjunction with uh, Revelations 10 he would use it in conjunction with Luke 17:30 and he would use this scripture as well he says what is the father's business vindicate all these scriptures and this one also so this is not what jesus is going to do in his earthly ministry but what he's going to do through his people verily verily i say he that believeth on me the works that i do shall he do also And greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Now as long as he was here, it could not release the power that was going to be given to the body of Christ in that day or in any day. But when he ascended and the power came down, it would release something that would enact this scripture. Now, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I I really should take time on each one of these verses. I want to read up to verse 20. But uh, just digest them. If you will ask anything in my name, I will do it. And Sister Shelley comes up here and says, They've given a diagnosis, but I don't believe it, and I want you to pray, and God honored your faith. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So what are we doing? We're giving ourselves to the will of the Father. We don't always know the time. We don't always know the season. But we're saying, Lord, it's not your will that I should be sick. It's not your will that I should suffer. It's not your will that I should be tormented by devils. But it's your will that I may be made well. Now, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now that word comforter is the word Greek word which means paraclete, which is like a defense attorney. So in other words, I will give you an enforcer, somebody that will stand up. You know, you won't be able to go and scream at the devil. You won't be able to beat him, and he says, but you take my word, my spirit, and you stand here and say, Satan, I am standing here today with the blood of Jesus as my covering, with the Holy Ghost vindicated in me, and I'm standing against you. It's not my power. I'm just a policeman, but I got authority, and it was given to me by God. Are you seeing where we are here, friends? So so he's telling his disciples, this is what I'm going to give you. A paraclete, a defense attorney. When the devil comes and tells you you're not a son or a daughter of God, when he beats you up and tells you you have sinned your day of, of grace away, that something rises up in you and he drops a quote to you. He sends a brother or a sister your way. He breaks the bondage of that spirit. That's our heavenly father. Listen, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, they were grieving. They, were, they, they, they couldn't understand why are we, you know, why didn't he come? He was a general. This should have been. Listen, Jesus could have left him there. But he didn't. He came to them. His heart today is he wants us to believe. I want to believe more. All things are possible. Even the spirit of truth, which a world cannot receive, Because it sees him not, knows him not, but you know him for he dwells in you and he'll be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world sees me no more, but you soon see me because I live. You shall live also at that day. You shall know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He sat down expecting. Now when Brother Matt was here, he... He touched on the last words of great men. And I, I've often thought of this this way too. Like, you know, they, they have men that are there and say, you know, what their last words are. Their last wishes are made known. And, and they'll say such and such. And those become, you know, with their whole life, that becomes the defining part. And I've often taken that with the message. And I've taken... That God gave the messenger. He was always making himself known. You know, it was a first pull, a second, and it was a third. And, and, and I, I take even little things I see. In the last six or seven messages, Brother Branham uses phrases he never used before. He talks about the seed gene. He talks about that something inside. And I say, okay, Lord, what were you saying to us as the prophet was leaving? What do we need? Like, I believe the whole message is for us. But now I take, okay, what is not just my will and the Father's will, but what is the will that is being transferred down to me through him? And I He's sharing this in, in his, with his disciples in, in, in John 14. But Hebrews, Hebrews 9, I'll just take this as we wind our thoughts up for today. And I want to just go to this now. Actually, I could read Hebrews 8, but I'll go directly to Hebrews 9. Paul is talking about the types. Now, this is Paul who was sharing all of these things, but let's go to verse 8. The Holy Ghost, this signifying, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was yet standing. So the high priest went into the holy place once a year. But Jesus came to enter in one time forever. Now that couldn't happen while that was still standing. Which was a figure for the time then present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make that did the service perfect as pertaining to conscience. I need to just move forward here. Let's... Go to verse 11. But Christ being made a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building. I'm, I'm going to just jump ahead to verse 15. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament. And he says that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also be, must also of necessity be the te- the death of the testator. So, for a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it has no strength at all while the testator lives. Now, so Jesus gives these words to his disciples. After I come, the comforter will be. After, after I leave, after I do these things. So he's effectively writing his last will and testament. He's sharing it with them. Some of the most beautiful scriptures, John 14, John 15, John 16, John 17. The language is so intimate. Friends, the the thing the prophet brings us, the bride knows what he wants done with the word. Now, so he he's given them these words. Now I've gotta go, I've gotta leave. And even Peter says, no, no, you can't leave. And then he has to tell them that was Satan trying to get at Peter. But here he leaves this testament. Now let's just take it naturally for a moment. Somebody has a will written, and as they have a will written, it's written, and and it's sealed. It's maybe there. They know what it is, and, and there's things that will be enacted once they leave. They need some of those things while they're living, but once they're dead, there's a transfer of what their will was that goes over to the benefactors. It gets bequeathed to them, but it's of no power until there's a death. So until there's a death, not just in Christ, but in us, we don't really have access to power. But when Christ died, it released something. Friends, there's a power that has been released. But he had to die. Now you might just say, okay, so you know, you might, maybe, I, I, I gotta be careful how I, I say this. It's amazing how much infighting there can be. Or infighting or outfighting or fighting around the time of death. Oh, I knew him. I knew them. I, I, whatever. And they can do it. And all of a sudden, there becomes all kinds of questions come up. And, and but y- you know what? And, 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 and somebody would say, I got it right. I got this. I want this. Uh, you know what? They had a nice car. And I knew my uncle, let's call it an uncle. I knew my uncle would have wanted me to have that car. I'm going to show up because I'm sure he gave it to me. Well, the only way you find out is when you open up the will. And when you open up the will, then you find out. Because in a last will and testament, if it's been sealed, it now becomes a force. It becomes a law that is enacted. Just like it was in Leviticus. The law, the land cannot be sold forever. That which that person held, the things that he accumulated or she accumulated, now they get passed on. What gets passed on is not just goods. But it's their will concerning those goods. I know this nice car might be something that junior teenager loved, but it won't be good for him. (laughs) It'll be better for the grandma and the family. (laughs) And, And so all of these things now, it becomes binding. And friends, when you come up to the reading of the will, once the will is read, you don't have to fight for it. That can be a lot of fighting if, if you're just looking at the will as an accumulation of goods, you've gone at it the wrong way. Because a will is actually something that that makes that is out of respect for the person who gives it and it becomes a power. Now, just like Booth, Booth and Rose. Okay, Ruth and Boaz. There we got it. Okay. You all heard Brother Matt say that too when he when he talked about the Ark or whatever he talked about with Noah. So listen, just like it was then, there rose up a nearer kinsman. So just as we're about to take it, what does the enemy do? He fights us. He says, you're not really that. No, I've got the deed to show it. And it's an abstract title deed. And and furthermore... The, the, the person who leaves the will does not just leave the will in the hands of a lawyer, but the person executes a what we call a trustee or a, a, an executor. And God was the same way. He said, now I know the devil's going to come and challenge us. And I've left an inheritance. I've purchased their inheritance. But I'm going to send an executor. And that is the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost will be an enforcer, the law of life in you, that will bring the promise of his will. Now God desired to bless us. He desired to give us good things. But there's an enemy that doesn't want you to have it. He'll try and cloud your mind. No, you haven't been good enough. You got all these things against you. If, if, if the, the testator would have known what you did. No, this is an abstract title deed. It's free of everything. And he's given it to me. Jesus Christ. Friends, if you could catch this this morning. The church... In the Old Testament, even at Jesus' time, didn't have this power. And I, will, I, I don't have this other part. I'll have to bring another time. And really, for seven church ages, they had a limited part of this power. But in the end time, God would make known. He would break open the seals. Now you will see not just the promises to a general group, but you see your part in the inheritance. I was not born in Laodicea just to accept uh, the the Ox Age promise or Luther's promise. I was born in this age to take the full promise of God. There's a whole part of this I really want to get into yet and I I have a bit of a slideshow. I couldn't get to it this morning. But I'm going to say it this way. The executor, God is watching at every hand. He sends a, a kinsman redeemer, a a testator, and he goes in the grave. He comes with the power of life. He resurrects, and he sends the Holy Ghost down to fulfill his will. He knows exactly how to do it, it's, and he knows that there's going to be an enemy. He knows there's going to be challenges, but he will execute his will, and he, and he now entrusts us. He puts us, and he says, listen, I'm going to give you not just knowledge. I'm going to give you my nature, I'm going to let you have an understanding of what was lost, of what I have purchased for you, and you're going to embrace it, and you're going to receive it, and you're going to love it, and it will be what I have always had for you. Amen. Oh, my friends. Listen, let's have the musicians come. I've gone over time here this morning. There's a part of this that I really want to bring yet, but I'll, I'll save it. Brother Brandon would say, the church, the church has a supernatural power resident in it. But it's blocked up because they don't realize. And now it, it has to come at the right time. It has to come at the right season. Okay? Sometimes you, in a last will, you know, it, it has designations. It says, okay, I'm, I'm, if I pass on, I'm giving this to someone, but don't give it to them all at once. Because as a, 13 year old or a 15 year old, they will not have the responsibility. The church in the age of Luther did not have the character yet. And he says, But I'm gonna, at the end time, I'm gonna let all the promises that I gave to the first age, the second age, the third age, the fourth age, it will all be poured on the last age. They will have the character, they will know what I want done with the word. I will give them everything. What was the last song we sang? Psalms 34. He'll give you everything. He'll release everything to you. He'll not withhold anything back. This is the age that we live in. Yeah. Friends, I, I, sometimes we preach that we've got to move a little higher. This is to say there is more for us. More for us than coming to church and just showing up. There is more promises that we can enact for our loved ones. How many will say amen to that? There's more promises. I don't need to go on with besetting sins. I don't need to go on wondering and doubting if I'm really there. It's there for you. He wants you to have it. Let's stand together. What's the last? Psalm 34. I think we need to sing that again.
0: I sought the Lord and the answer
1: Times in the last weeks just been thinking on this the little that we give here when you give it willingly not, nobody's forcing but you give it because something in your heart is moved by love do you know that will never be taken away from you Did you know that the Lord will restore tenfold and hundredfold thousandfold can you think this morning you know, of, of all the things you could have in this world but if you, if you have him you've got the greatest treasure. I am his and he is mine. My beloved is mine. His affection is on us. If we could release a little bit of our will and say Lord if you could just come in and take a little more of me and you could walk through me and talk through me I I, I feel like so many times I've hindered the Lord but he wants to give it to you and in fact he begins to work through you If, if you came if you came home today after service and you had a roast in the oven or whatever you had and you came home and there's somebody sitting at the table eating it would you just say hey i've added it it's it's good if if that person wasn't welcome or was taking it and would you would you want that the devil comes and he robs us and we have a right god has given us everything and we have a right and i think sometimes something within us rises up and we say hold on a second that's enough of this i am tired and I say friends that is that is the executor coming to give us our inheritance. I believe there's more ahead for us. Amen. I just say keep looking ahead. And look at look at what he start looking on the promises. I I I've just pulled some quotes in the message. And I thought how come I never saw that before? The things that God will even yet do before we ever get over there. I believe We're going to witness the greatest things. Never let go. Keep believing. No matter where you're at, no matter what the devil has trapped us in, I believe he is. He's going to take care of everything for us. I'm casting all my cares as we close.
0: So I'm casting all my cares on you.
1: Redeemer is no longer dead. He's risen. But because he died, he's bought me something. He's given us life better than anything we could have ever had. Oh, if we can just walk in that. Brother B. Avenue, can I ask you to come and close and here if you will? Let's sing this one more time. So I'm
0: casting all my cares. Testify my redeemer is no longer dead, he's risen and he's coming
3: back for you and me. Let bow our heads, blessing Lord Jesus. We don't have enough words to say in our language, Lord. But you are wonderful, Lord, Lord. We thank you for the 5 ministry you place to build us up for that great rapture's coming, Lord. ask you, dear Lord, to bless your servant, brother, Head, for the labor we did for this morning, Lord, to bless your bride, in our midst, Lord. As I was talking about uh, those uh, uh, ages, how we can see, Lord, in this last age, you ask us to go to the angel, Lord. You ask us to take the book, Lord. You ask us to eat that book, Lord not only to look at the angel but to eat that book to become the book lord oh lord help us to identify the, to, to that book lord that the the reason this message is came for us to become the message lord we love you lord bless each one oh lord let the word you heard this morning lord stay in us in that word Transform us to become that word, Lord. Be with uh, each one as we're going home. Bless each one and uh, bring those who come back to receive uh, again the blessing, Lord. We thank you, we love you, Lord. And uh, be with those who have been not able to come in this place, Lord, by connection or other ways. Bless them also, Lord. We thank you, we love you, Lord, and ask you this humble prayer prayer in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, my brother. I should sure allow you to speak in French. In
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying to Brother B. Avenue, if I allowed him to pray in French, I'm sure we'd hear a lot more in terms of his voice and passion. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk this narrow way We'll just sing the chorus, and then you can be dismissed, and you can still sing if you want to go.
0: He abides, he abides, hallelujah, he abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk the narrow way.